Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. We're kicking off a brand new series today called Roots. God wants us to grow deeper on the inside than he does just what externally people see on the outside. I have um, a yard and I'm grateful for that. And it's got green grass on it. And I'm excited for that because some people in bigger and major cities, they don't have grass. In fact, I saw somebody who's on my Facebook feed, they're down in the South and they, they were standing on what I thought to be grass. And I paused their video, I zoomed in. And what it was, was the artificial grass looking like the turf thing that you could put on. And it was just in their yard because there's just, the sun is just scorching their grass. And I'm doing everything to preserve my green grass right now because you haven't got a lot of precipitation last week or so, right? And if I don't have irrigation, I'm, 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 I'm borrowed time. And then the sun's beating down on it. So in July, we missed that moment where, you know, everything was green, June, May, right? And then July, it's all kind of like yellow and, cr- you know, crunchy. You step on it in August, gets even more intense. And then for me, I'm trying to keep my grass game high. And I've noticed this, that a couple years ago, we planted our grass and uh, with a friendly encouragement from our neighbors that wrote me a little letter that said, you know, it's awesome. You guys built your, uh, the duplex there, but it'd be great if you actually finished your grass. And I was like, okay, they got a point, right? Because we, we didn't finish the grass yet. And it's those crab grass looking, just nasty looking and everyone else's yards are, you know, par, right? And now my grass game is I'm trying to keep above par. Okay, I'm trying to, or actually below par, if you golf fans continue over from last week, I do know how to keep golf score. U.S. Open is today. Um, Somebody will be crowned the champion. I planted the grass, and here's what happens. My friends and I, we took the challenge. We said, we got one week to show up all the neighbors, and we brought in 110 yards of topsoil, and in one night, we brought in a little bobcat and we moved all of the topsoil everywhere, put down the grass seed, put the straw down because in the right conditions, right? With the topsoil, with the watered, with it spread out, it'll grow and it grew really quick. I mean, sprouted right up in a week, right? It's just starting to look sweet. My yard's awesome. And it was so neat because I started meeting people I never knew existed. Six people stopped by my house and they said, hey, it's so great. I want to welcome you to the neighborhood. I'm like, I've been here for two years. What are you talking about, right? And, and, and it, because, and here's the thing, because some people... The way it looks, right, is more important than actually what's going on. And you know what we do is we do this in church too. The way we look, I got to put in the parents. Some of you, do, you know, you know that the, the infamous question, how's it going? How's it going? How's it going? Good, good, good. Because if people really knew what was going on, it'd be a little crazy in the root system. And now I've realized that that grass that grew really quick in a week looked awesome for a year, but now in two and three I'm starting to have to go back with patch kit repair because you got to upkeep it because weeds start growing. And in our life, we got to upkeep it because weeds start growing. We've known Jesus for a long time, some of us, but it takes a good dose of reality and purification into the depths of our soul, into our root system, because that's where we get the fruit. And too often we're focused on the fruit than the roots. And I pray today that there's a deep, slow, slow 
soul purification for us, that God would purify our roots and that we would challenge our lives to get in the right soil, the right conditions, the right settings to grow. And we're always complaining about God. I'm not growing the way I want. Sometimes it's just good old fashioned ethics. It's just work ethic. It could be uh, people were around. It could be the places, the environments, the things we're putting in. We're like, okay, God, I need change. I need change. I need change. I need change. Change could be as just simple as tend to your garden. The grass is always greener where you water it. And other people water their grass, so we admire theirs. God isn't looking for you to go somewhere else. He's looking to transform you right where you're at. Straight up, right where you're at. He's looking to change you right where you're at. We have to zoom out as we think about Father's Day here today. Okay, all the men, shout out to you all in some way, shape, or form. You've influenced people, but also men. We got to rise up today because we've also hurt a lot of people. Men, we've abused power at times. We've domineered. We've been abusive verbally, physically. And you know, it's really challenging when people think about Father's Day because some celebrate, but for the most part, and I know this statistically to be true in Lansing, Lansing is one of the top cities in the nation for single parent homes. And so that means there's absent dads a lot. There's deadbeat dads. There's deadbeat fathers and we've been hurt. But here's the crazy thing. There's a new day if we actually let the father be the equation, the father be the antidote, the father be the solution, the father be the soil, the fertilizer, everything. God can do a great work if we will let him, if we will let him in. So as we zoom out, I think we go um, in this series, here's, here's the heartbeat of it. It's Colossians 2, 6 through 8. And it says this, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving. All right, and then what that passage implies is this, that some people have already accepted Christ and now it's time for them to walk, be built in it and be taught and to abound in thanksgiving, to be rooted because the ways of the world will try to come and choke out the seed and try to get you off your track. And what is happening there is a, a person that's growing, a person that says, okay, I am in this thing with Jesus, but I want to zoom back even further and say, why in the world are we even in with Jesus? What does the story even mean? Why even have roots? Why go back to the places that sometimes have caused the most pain? Because isn't it just like a root canal? Isn't that what life's like? Isn't that what Jesus just wants to do? He either wants to pull the tooth or just give a root canal. Is that what he wants? He just wants to get it out of the way. Is he, he just wants to, he just wants to uh, get the weeds out for a moment. It, it God, is God just like the, the lawnmower where he comes for a week and he cuts it for a week and he don't care because he, he doesn't have to come back unless you call him again? Or is God trying to actually change the soil, the conditions, the roots, everything so that we will be ready and stable forever long-term? I think that's what he's more trying to do. And we see him as a lawnmower. We see him as, you know, a fertilizer just for a moment. But really, he's holistically, holistic. And so he wants every part of our life. He doesn't just want to just drill a place and just fill it with some artificial thing. He's actually trying to rebirth things. We got to go back to a popular verse 
that we put on signs, especially game day. Fellas, you know about game day. You know, some of us, we got, uh, I love the guys that got some man caves. Shout out to the man caves. Some of us, we got big TVs. We got different things. We come over, we hang out. You know, we get our food. We got our cracked chicken. We're loving that. Uh, if you don't know what cracked chicken is, you better figure that out. And then we get our cracked chicken and then we, we, we eat that up and we have a great time, great environment. And we see a sign maybe in the background, a John 3, 16. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, like John 3, 16. When you go around and tell everybody about inviting them to your house, the main thing you're not telling them is not just where your address is, right? It's what's gonna take place at the house when you're hosting. And we're not just always saying the address because as if somehow the address is the main thing. In fact, addresses in the Bible weren't even there originally. And so I wanna challenge us today to kind of strip what we even think, put some lacquer thinner, put some paint thinner to get stripped back to the surface. Let's get back to the core and find out what in the world that even means. I think we'll find out that it's God's great big story and it means something so powerful. So that address is so worth inviting people to because of the hope it offers, the environment it offers, the family experience it offers from the Father. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. I'm gonna read it again because it's that powerful. For God... So love the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. You could just pause on that for your whole life. That's the story of all the Bible. For God, it's his, it's his game. It's his rules, it's his setting. Okay, he's the father. Dads, we're gonna be a little accountable this morning. We answer to somebody. We answer to somebody. And we answer to a bigger alpha and a bigger lion. And the cool thing is, the one we answer to, his nature and his character is love. And so even when he disciplines, even when he gets you to come over, and this is so hard because we've been hurt by our parents. We've been hurt by uh, teachers in some form. I was going to the uh, Michigan Historical Museum with my kids, and I said, you know, back in the day, they could actually hit you in school. My son goes, what? Are you serious? Did they get in trouble? I said, no, no, it was actually part of the thing. He's like, how do you know? That's old school. How do you know? Is that back in the day? He's saying this, right? Is that back in the day? I said, no, son, son. This happened, like I've heard about it. I've talked to people. It didn't happen to me, but I was like the one generation removed where they, they should have hit you. It would have been better because they could talk to you a certain way. Now, now they can't even talk to you a certain way, you, right? They can't even say anything to you. It's like, oh, harassment, right? You know, and some of that is true because there is harassment, but we're in a day and age where it's so, well, what is true? What's right? What's not? We got to go back to the OG, the original God, the original maker. We're going to find out. We're going to see how he thinks and how he acts. And so all the relationships we've seen that are tainted, I mean, it seems like we're losing hope every second. Uh, 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 it, the, you know, you, you find out, are we, are we trying to get in war? Are, is there justice for people anymore? Is there even hope for those that seem oppressed? Why is the gap getting bigger? How do we close the gap? Why does not anybody care? And you start to see, but here's the good news. God cares. And God is, it may seem like he's silent, but I'm telling you, he is triumphant when it comes game time. I'm telling you, when he comes back, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess and we will all have to answer to who he is. And it shouldn't take us getting a text to somebody passed away or somebody's in the hospital to create this urgency that life is short. And so let's do more to focus on our root system. And this is so good and so captivating because here's what we find. For God so loved 
the world. He doesn't see the world as some just piece of trash dumpster. This is really important for us to understand because in Christ, I even think we can kind of play the Christian or Christianese. Like, you know, we know a couple Bible verses and then we throw them out like crazy and we know how to speak some real cool language and then we make a bunch of people around us feel really weird. And, and, and then as you actually understand the Bible, these, you, you, you don't even understand, what they were saying wasn't even true, right? And then, and then what got shared online might not even been true. And that was just some weird little power verse that somebody used to manipulate to grab onto. Or there was somebody on the other side used some little verse that wasn't in context to just destroy the work of God. And say, oh, look, God's a, he's a bigot. Look, God hates people. Look, he destroyed a city. He's like, whoa, 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 wait. Man, his kindness showed up so many times they didn't listen. What would a dad be like if they never disciplined, ever? Come on. We're not here to just be friends with our kids. We're here to train them up. Not provoke them to anger, but to train them up. And so when God sees the world, this is so important because he sees the world as good. He sees it. He loves it. He created it. And so it's not some distant thought that he just sees as bad. He doesn't just see, oh, okay, yeah. No, he looks down and he sees, this is beautiful. It's just got off course. And so I'm gonna do something about it since the foundations of the earth. In fact, I'm gonna do the only thing that could ever bring redemption. I'm gonna give my most prized possession, myself, my son. So this is where you start to see the nature of God. The nature of God. Why would you even be rooted in him? Oh, a God that gives his best. Guys, we don't always give our best. Our boss asks us to do something. We just find out, okay, where is the floor? And then, look, I did it, right? Oh, I thought you had a bigger vertical than that. Oh, no, 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 no. That's all I can do. That's all I can do. Because they're afraid they'll ask you for more. Because there has been an abuse of power, right? And that's where unions were started because they used to work people so bad, so long, and they rose up. But even conditioning us, we start to think we're working for the person instead of working for the one. And this is really challenging because once you start to really realize that and believe it, you, you could almost feel ashamed of how you're letting him down. And this is why grace gets even more powerful. It, should, it, it shouldn't lead to disappointment. It should actually lead to praise. Wow, your grace, God. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that you gave Jesus that he scored when I couldn't. He jumped when I couldn't. He died the death I should have in place for my sin. That's the excitement of John 3.16. That's why we should cheer more than any sports team that's ever happened, ever will happen, ever will be, forever and forever and forever. And here's the great news, that whoever, whoever comes and believes, they get in. Come on. Every other place they say, you can come in, but uh, you got to show me your qualifications first. If you don't dress like us, act like us, you can't be in. You know, what's crazy is to think that it's been um, the church that has misrepresented the heart of God. It's been us, that God's been inviting people. He's been saying forever, you belong here. And then people are saying, well, why? It doesn't seem like there's equality there. And now there's a new day where people are rising up and saying, no, 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 that's not right. That system ain't right. That ain't right. Jesus stands up for those that don't have a voice. Jesus stands up for the one. And in fact, it says this, what you did to the least of these, you did unto Jesus. And so the way we take care of marginalized, whether it's systematic or whether it's a moment, if it happens underneath our watch, 
or even in any way we can influence globally, we got to do it. We got to bloom because local is global to God. And this is the beautiful thing that he does not desire for us to perish, but he desires that we would have eternal life. And that's why he gives the only solution. And then in John three seventeen, this is the verse that we, you know, this, this is not the one you see in the sign. It's John three sixteen, but it's all in context. So even before this, you have Nicodemus asking, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You have John writing on account of the words of Jesus throughout the Bible. Say, okay, let me start to learn this new game, this new process. Let me get a new root system. And then in 17, it says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. This is so important. Because in our houses and our jobs, there's always a standard. And if we miss the mark, you can feel it. Sometimes you'll feel it physically. Like, ow, sorry. (laughs) But with God, he starts to say this. Okay, you all miss the mark. But what you find is, if you look at my sheet, my desire is not to condemn you and show you how you missed the mark. My desire is to save you. If you would just humble yourself and understand what it means to be in sin to be dead in sin, but in order that the world might be saved through him. You start to see this posture um, that God is communicating is that he gives us hope in Jesus, in Jesus. That means we come in his team, on his team, everything. We come through him. And so we're gaining access to God because of him, period. Like we're gaining access because of him. And so as men, we... uh, I got a question. I think this is us. Man, who are you fooling? And here's what I mean. Who are you fooling? Because we put on our manhood face all the time. If we need help, we just ask maybe someone low-key on the side, like, hey, yo, I just, I need a little help. I don't want to really want to tell anybody, but uh, just for a moment, right? It's because we always feel like we got to provide. We got to put on our strong face and we've gotten good. Here's what's crazy. Get this, don't miss this. We've gotten good at bad things. And we don't want those roots gone because they're, they're producing things. They're giving us some form of adrenaline. They're giving us dopamine. They're giving us results and we feel a certain way, but it's these bad roots. And then we wonder why we keep habitually feeling the way we do. And there's an issue with that. And here's the issue that we have. And this is for women as well. But uh, today, the guys, we just get to get it. Come on, we get to rise up. Girls got a rose on Mother's Day. Guys, we just get to get it. All right, we get to get it. Because too often, the reason plants aren't growing the right way is because we're not being what God has called us to be. We're not on mission. We're not excited. We're not alive. We're not present. We're not faithful. We're not consistent. We don't know. We don't know what I'm sorry means. And the truth is, it's because we've never been shown. And so today's a new day. How long can we say those excuses? There's things that generationally, I'm hoping that I'm breaking for my kids that they won't be battling the same things that I battle or had to battle. They, don't, they won't have to have late nights and the stress and anxieties that, that I felt because of just going through beating and breaking certain barriers that they won't have to face. I wasn't quoting scripture at seven like some of my kids are. I wasn't praying at five like late at night and I wasn't like justice and justice is telling me, uh, I said, hey, what should we do, justice? He goes, dad, why don't we carry money with us and give them to every time we see somebody on the corner? What are you going to say in that moment? Well, son, we don't know what they're going to use the money for. Um, And this is what we do. As men, we don't foster the environment for what could be. 
right? We got to stop and talk to the dude on the corner right on the way here. I'm gonna be honest, I wasn't feeling it this morning, but I heard justice in my head. Justice says, dad, we gotta, we're gonna carry dollars on us. So I got $7 on me, take one out. I said, rolled on my window. I said, hey, what's your name? He says, Calvin. I said, Calvin, good to meet you. And he goes, he literally, same breath. He goes, oh, you're gonna pray for me? I said, no, I was just wondering what your name was. He goes, he literally like paused. He goes, oh, what's your name? I said, Jerome. He goes, what's his name in the back? I said, Jerome. He goes, that's neat. And it was, it was cool because he just thought maybe a little another token Christian. For God so loved you for a moment that I gave a dollar, that I passed you by, that I didn't know your story, but because I saw some bad people do some crazy stuff, I just assumed it's you too. So I can then lead my kids in a place that doesn't look fruitful anymore. You see how the roots start to wreck us? You see how it wrecks us? We gotta be humble enough. And here's the number one thing that's stopping us, guys. Here's the number one thing. You know what's stopping us? It's robbing us of our futures, our hope, our presence, and our power, and everything God's called us to be, because he's called us to be lions, to rule and to dominate. It's our pride. To genuinely humble ourselves and say, I don't know. I need some help. I know how to drink. I know how to party. But I need some help. And what you see over time is this. Here's what you see. If you look back, you didn't learn all those things in a moment anyways. You just started getting good at what was bad. The roots started growing. It's not like overnight you became some legendary oak tree in darkness, you know? Oh man, he just started dealing overnight, right? Oh, he was, he was beating his mom at four, right? No, it just it kept getting small and bigger and bigger and bigger and unchecked and unchecked and unchecked. And here, we live in a society where it's okay to go on check, but I'm gonna tell you this, that God loves you enough to check you and he checks you in the depths of you. And that's what he does for us because he is a soul doctor. He's a soul doctor. And so as guys, here's the antidote. Here's what we do. Ephesians 2, 1 says this, and you were dead in the trespasses and sin. Huh? Where's my pride now? I was dead and now I'm alive. That's what God teaches, that empty part in our soul, the roots that we're all craving for and we're all like looking for some type of source or water to, to, to fulfill it for a moment, whether it's food or it's party or it's pleasure. And, and here's the good news. Like God saw all that and he still loved you in those moments and he still brought you here for freedom. He did. He still brought you here for freedom. He literally calls you by name. Do you believe that? I don't always believe it. Someone texted me this morning. They said, I was praying for you. And all I kept hearing was, I believe in you. That's what I kept hearing. And I was like, it's crazy because I had a dream. And uh, I can't pinpoint the exact feeling, but I remember somebody saying, I believe in you. And I'm like, dude, whatever. Like, I, I've just, I'm not good enough at email right now. I got this going on. And it's like, it like, I believe in you. It was like, why aren't you saying it? And it was interesting because as I paused, I zoomed out. I said, what do we tell our kids? Chris and I, we always say, we believe in you. Mommy, daddy believe in you. God believes in you. And you're going to do great things. And we heard that from Andy Stanley. We believe in you. God believes in you. And you're going to do great things. And when it came time for Andy to start driving his car, they used to just, he said, well, Andy, what time should I be home? He's like, no, no, no. The parents would say this. We trust you. <laughs> he said when he was out and he wanted to mess up, he's like, they trust me. I got to get home. Different motivational tactic, right? Different parenting tactic. And so I started just meditating on that this morning. Okay, I believe in you. Okay, God has called me for this moment now to say what he wants me to say, 
But it's not my words, it's his words that bring life. And he's the one saying, I believe in you, not because I'm anything special, but because I know the king who sits on the throne and he's commissioned me on behalf of him because I'm an ambassador from a foreign land. That's the excitement. Do you really believe that God believes in you? I believe in you. The roots God is washing and cleansing. He's trying to get us uh, to, to be able to adjust through the storm. And over these next few weeks, we're just going to look at the root core of our hearts and our lives and just to go slower, to have deeper impact for wider influence and to be stronger when the storm hits. And how we do that? So we're going to watch a video. And for each one of us, when it hits the fan, because it will, you find out what's in you, not when it's easy. You find out when it's, what's in you when it's hard. And that's where you can actually ask God to take that weight. God, help me. God, I'm going to pause. I'm going to pray. I'm going to worship you because I know I can't be on the throne. You have to be. And that's not easy, but I'm telling you, and it all comes with this word. He gave it to us. One collective story through multiple books over thousands of years because God's timeline isn't ours. And he was providing a safe, hope, place for all people, all of mankind forever through his son, Jesus. And not just for the children of Israel, but one day that the Gentiles, those on the outside could be included. Oh, to be included. Check out this video. It'll hopefully inspire you. It's one of the most influential books in human history. It explores the big questions of why we exist. It's inspired many people to do amazing things. And confused many others. And you've probably got one sitting around somewhere. So... What is the Bible actually? Well, the Bible is a small library of books that all emerged out of the history of the people of ancient Israel. And in one sense, they were just like any other ancient civilization. But among them were a long line of individuals called prophets. And they viewed Israel's story as anything but ordinary. They saw it as a central part of what God was doing for all humanity. And these prophets were literary geniuses. Really? Yeah, they expertly crafted the Hebrew language to write epic narratives, very sophisticated poetry. They were masters of metaphor and storytelling, and they leveraged all of this to explore life's most complicated questions about death and life and the human struggle. So there's a lot of different authors writing this book. Yeah, and these texts were produced over a thousand year period, starting with Israel's origins in Egypt, then leading up to their kingdom with their first temple. But eventually they were conquered by the Babylonians who took them away into exile. Then, at a crucial moment in their history, many Israelites returned to their land. They built a second temple, they reformed their identity, and this is when the Jewish scriptures began to be formed into the shape that we have them today. Okay, the Jewish Bible, what's in it? Well, in Hebrew, it's called by an acronym, Tanakh. The T stands for Torah, sometimes called the Law. That's Israel's five-book foundation story. The N stands for Nevi'im, the Hebrew word for prophets. And this section consists of the historical books that tell Israel's story from the prophet's point of view. Then you get the poetic books of the prophets themselves. The K stands for Ketavim, the Hebrew word for writings. This is a diverse collection of poetic books, wisdom books, and more narrative. And the Jewish people believe that through all of these literary works, God speaks to his people. Now, 
there were other Jewish writings being produced during this second temple period as well. Yeah, a really diverse group of texts. And these two were highly valued in Jewish communities. And there was debate from ancient times about whether or not some of these should be considered part of their scriptures. So this is a lot of different writings over a long period of time. Why did they put them all together like this? Well, altogether, these texts tell an epic story about how God is working through these people to bring order and beauty out of the chaos of our world. And it all builds up to a hope for a new leader who would come and renew all creation. And then the Tanakh concludes, and this leader never comes. So it's an expertly crafted work, but it's missing an ending? That's exactly right. Now, a few centuries later, a Jewish prophet comes onto the scene named Jesus of Nazareth. He claimed he was carrying the Tanakh story forward. Yeah, so Jesus did a bunch of cool stuff was killed, but his followers claimed he was alive from the dead. Yeah, they said that Jesus was that long-awaited leader who would restore the world. And so his earliest followers, called apostles, they composed new literary works about the story of Jesus. They called these good news or the gospel. They formed an account called Acts about the spread of the Jesus movement outside of Israel. And then they circulated letters to different Jesus communities all around the ancient world. And they saw these writings as part of the scripture. Yeah, the apostles wrote all of this as the fulfillment of that epic story found in the Tanakh. And they were continuing the literary genius of the Jewish tradition. They also believed that God was speaking to his people through these texts alongside the scriptures of Israel. So that's the Old and New Testament. But what did the early Christians think of the other Second Temple literature? Well, different groups had different views about some of these books, but we know they read them and valued these texts because they passed them along with the Jewish scriptures. Okay, so we've got the Tanakh, the Jewish scriptures. We got these other Second Temple period works. Then the writing of the apostles about Jesus. And that's a lot of literature. So what's in my Bible? So the Christian movement has taken different forms over 2,000 years. And from the beginning, all Christians recognized the Tanakh and the New Testament as scripture. And for centuries, much of the Second Temple literature was read as part of the biblical tradition. The Catholic Church eventually made it official and called some of the books from this collection the Deuterocanonical books. Some Orthodox churches used even more books from this Second Temple literature. And then in the 1500s, during the Reformation, Protestant Christians wanted to go back to the oldest writings of the prophets and apostles, so they accepted only the Old and New Testaments. Okay, I think I got it. But... How does a collection of books produced over a thousand years by all these different authors tell one unified story? That's the Bible Project. Um, you start to just kind of learn a little bit, right? Because, oh, whoa. And the cool part about this, this is what I love. Dads, moms, brothers, sisters, all included. God isn't intimidated um, by our questions. In fact, he invites us in to study him, know him, and learn him in a way that is so captivating that I found. To understand that's one story, and we all start somewhere. Some of us might start with just learning what in the world does amen mean? What does John 3.16? Why is it John 3.16? When did that happen? And here's why that's so important, because... Man, if you want to do something significant in your life, women, if you want to do something significant in your life, it's going to come with how well you know God's word. Because when the storms of life hit, your roots will grip somewhere. And what you're best at, you typically go back to. You know when I'm really down and discouraged and depressed, you know what I want to do? I just want to shoot hoops. I do. Because for so much of my life, that was just 
my coping mechanism. And then my second coping mechanism came, I'm just going to go party. What's your coping mechanisms? Is it a bag of Sour Patch Kids like mine sometimes? Did you know that the word of God says this, that you can put to death sin because of victory in Christ as you take on his mind and his likeness and his qualities and his character? I had a uh, pastor one time asked me, he said, so which, have you heard the, the philosophy of the three G's? Which G is it that kind of gets your number? I was like, what, what, are the, what do you mean? He's like, oh, the three G's, you know, girls, gold, or glory. And so I could go for, if you're sitting down with someone else, you could ask, is it guys, gold, or glory? Meaning this, okay, is temptation towards people, is that challenging or is it gold? that you want things, money, power, is, you know, is that challenging? Or three, do you want the glory? You want the attention? You want to be the winner? I said, he goes, well, which one is it? I go, I don't know, probably all three, you know? <laughs> Over time in my life, as I look back, there's been issues in any, all areas. And so the issues, here's what it produces. This is what's so powerful if you let it happen. The issues start to lead us to the limitations of who we are and what we're capable of. And it shows us that we're dead in sin and that we need a whole new root structure because we need to grow differently. We need to look differently. We need to act differently. And then we find it's the fourth G the whole time, the OG, 4G coverage. I'm talking, it's God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life today. If you want some, just some deep soul work, I've been so impressed with some of the guys in the church rising up. It's, all, it's obvious, uh, statistically speaking, 70% um, of volunteers in churches is women. So we, we honor women like crazy. You guys are incredible. But the guys have got to rise up. And um, just statistically speaking, all across the globe, it's just typically the guys aren't there until something happens and then we get on fire and we're excited. But sometimes that fire dies out and we just turn right back to the old things. But it's been exciting to hear some of the guys in the uh, church right now, you know, having a Bible study and then a cookout and hanging and growing and building and learning and going through their issues and not just putting on this face and saying, no, I really need some help. And, and can you help me? And then start to learn. I got to learn these things. I want to watch those videos. I'm going to download the Bible and I got to start just starting somewhere to develop new habits. It's going to hurt. It's a process, but it's beautiful. Let them prune you. Let him cut you. He is the master and his fruit is everlasting. And so God's not looking at just the address of our house or what our grass looks like. And that's part of it. It's beautiful. What he's looking at is the roots because he wants you healthy. And he wants you to know this, that you're in him when you believe in him. And so anybody that would turn from sin has a home and a hope in Jesus. And that's why there is no other name to which man will be saved in the name of Jesus Christ, period. So Jesus is here. Jesus is present. Jesus is undoing all the mess, all the root issues in your life, here to purify you. And if you're here today and you're like, okay, I want some prayer for my root system. If you would just stand up, we're going to pray. I'm standing, so I'm already here. And I'm, I'd, be stand, I'd go like this. I'd be like, Man, I need some help with my root system. And, um, and I believe, uh, I don't know what the root things you need work on. I'm not sure, but I know who knows, God. And God wants to do a deep, slow soul therapy today so that you'll be so strong that when the storms hit, your roots will grip in Him. That's what it's all about. 
Jesus, we come to you right now. God, take our sin, take our mess, take our stress, take the baggage, the weight, the anxieties, the cares, the attention, all these things we're looking for, God, today. And I pray that you will do a deep, deep soul therapy in our roots. God, I pray that you'll clean them. You'll purify them. You'll remove roots that aren't like you. Get weeds out of our life. Spark a new life in us today. We were lost, but now we're found. God, we surrender all to you. God, we waive any rights or privileges or any manhood or womanhood cards we think we have or what we deserve and the hurts that we have. And we just give it to you. God, take the mess. You already know it. Keep doing what you do best, changing lives, change our lives. We commit our roots to you. And God, we know that you'll take care of the fruit. You'll take care of where and how. And we just want to keep watering and tending to the grass that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.